Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos. This is the show where we talk all about cats. And you can have your cat call into the show, too. We love to talk to them as well. I'm joined today by my handsome husband and co-host, Dewey Vaughn. Hello, my beautiful love, and hello to all of you folks out there in the big cat world. And thank you for listening. Wow, what do we have going on today? Today, we're going to talk about feline intelligence. Wow, isn't that an oxymoron? I I think everybody wants to know, really, are dogs smarter than cats? I mean, that's really the question, right? Well, it is a common question. and But, you know, cats are actually among some of the smartest creatures in the animal kingdom. Now, that doesn't mean dogs aren't, right? For you dog people out there getting all riled up already, you know? (laughs) Cats often are considered to be dumber than dogs, but not because dogs outsmart them, right? There's just, I say this about everything, there's just more studies done about intelligence and memory and cognitive abilities in dogs. And that research just doesn't transfer to cats, you know? And much of the information that the community gets about cat intelligence comes from you comes from cat owners and and anecdotal, you know, information. And there's really only just a few studies that are designed that that kind of give us a glimpse into cat intelligence, which is really quite unique. It's really different. And I would imagine it depends upon how you define intelligence, right? I mean, because Mm -hmm. there's lots of ways to define that. Well, intelligence is defined as the ability to learn from an experience, retain that knowledge, and use it again to solve problems in a new environment, right? Not the same environment. So learn from an experience, (laughs) right? Learn from experience, retaining that knowledge, and solve a problem in a new environment with that knowledge. That's pretty complex. But couldn't we define intelligence by the amount of neurons that are basically in the brain that transmit information back and forth that creates the brain the way that it is? I mean, we can dive into really how all that happens, but yeah, yeah, you 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 can you can absolutely define intelligence by the amount of neurons, I suppose. I mean, that's one aspect of it, right? And and so the neurons they reside in the cerebral cerebral. I'll never say that word right. Several several cortex. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and that part of the brain not only governs higher functions of rational thought, but also problem solving. All right. So, of course, that's where the intelligence happens. And it's also the area where we store short and long term memory. So if we're talking about neurons, right. Cats have 300 million neurons, 
All right. Now, here's an interesting fact. Dogs have 160 million neurons, so little more than half of cats. But humans have 16 billion neurons. Wow. If that tells you anything. That starts sounding like stars in the universe. It does millions and billions. Remember yeah, Carl Sagan? That, that's just <laughs> ones that are close to us, right? Yeah, wow, that's amazing. I wonder why, how that gets, you know, mapped out and put into each animal or us as a species. All those different neurons and how we grow those. And I mean, that gets into bit deep scientific stuff. But let's talk about how the cat brain is compared to ours. I mean, it's much smaller than ours, which is why we're smarter. Is that right? Well, I mean, I guess partially. I mean, you say all that too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of that has to do with they have 300 million. We have 16 billion neurons, but, but cat brains are smaller than ours. Um, but if you look at another another ratio aspect they look at when they're talking about brains is is the size of the brain compared to the total body mass, right? And so a cat's brain takes up 0.9% of its total body mass, whereas our brains are about 2% of the total body mass. And, you know, people and cats have practically identical sections in the brain, though, that, that control emotion. But... um and and cats and people also have similar overall brain structure as well. Wow. What about the shape of the cat's brain? Is that hugely different than how ours is? Ours is kind of looks like two brains put together. Yeah. Uh, what does that look like with the cats? Well, ours are, yeah, where theirs is like that, but ours is more round or oval shaped and a cat's brain is more elongated. It's more long and narrow. And it should be made up of a lot of the same stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Both people and cats' brains are are composed of gray and white matter. Yep, same stuff. Does, does a cat's brain have the same components as a human brain? Yeah, yeah. They have temporal, occipital, frontal, and paradial lobes of their cerebral cortex. And wow, each... you're getting so deep, I can't imagine that. Wow. <laughs> well, and each Molly. of those regions are connected, you know, in the same ways that our brains are as well. So, yeah, it, it's it's almost identical, just smaller. So let's get back to the burning questions. Are cats really intelligent? Well, they say that a cat's intelligence is compared to that of a two-year-old. I, being a behavior specialist, say that a cat's emotional state is also comparable to that of a two-year-old, right? Because they throw tantrums a lot of times, like two-year-olds do, and they're really good at attention-seeking. But cats seem to think in the same patterns as humans do, and basically that means they receive input from their five basic senses, and they process that data just like we do, you know, and they associate the memory of an event or place with the emotions they experience in the surroundings, right? So like, and you see this all the time when you take your cat to the vet, they they remember experiencing tra traumatic events and stress and pain and fear. And so every time you pull out that um, carrier to take them to the vet, they 
all of a sudden remember all of that trauma and pain and fear associated with the carrier because they know they went to the vet's office after that and they recall that and they retain it. But, you know, I guess the good news is they also remember positive experiences too, right? Especially when treats or food or, or play is involved. So they remember, you know, pray play sessions and they remember treat toss and they remember things that, that you do with them. You know, they clearly learn by observation and doing things. And, and let me give you an example of what I'm, what I mean by that. Um, because I know our cat Pico, when we go in and out of a room, we have those door handles that are not round. They are uh, straight line. In other lever. words, yeah, yeah, more of a lever, I guess it is. And so you, you know, you pull it down and the door opens. And he has watched that happen because he didn't just obviously know how to do that. We've seen him on many occasions reach up to the door and pull that lever down. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that that has to come by him observing. One of the other things is when we go outside and we have a screen door on the back door, we open up the door and we shut the door. It's a sliding door there. But he seems to think that if he just reaches up to the door handle, that somehow he can push something and it'll open for him. And so <laughs> he, he, he's just magically trying to figure out how that works. So I think to a certain extent, I mean, he is really looking and observing and, and recreating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, he does. And, that, and that's called procedural memory. And cats do excel at it, which is why they're so good at, you know, at, at attention-seeking behaviors. They quickly learn if I do this, that gets them to look at me and talk to me and feed me. And so they do more of that. So they absolutely, cause and effect is something they're keenly aware of. They also have really good memories, you know, and, and especially when compared to dogs, actually, in this case. But, but there is some research out there that shows that cats can remember things for 10 years or more you know so be careful uh, what you do to your cat right you don't you don't uh, want them to have a a stressful memory associated with you that's going to last 10 years but and and just like us they have both short term and long term memory function like they did this study um between cats and dogs and something something happened an event happened and somehow they were able to determine that the cat could remember that event up to 16 hours ago, something that happened 16 hours ago, where a dog, it was about six minutes. So it isn't, dogs don't really have a lot of memory retention like cats do. And I think that's why cats get a, you know, they, they get a, a bad rap for being spiteful. You know, people will say, well, you know, yeah, that cat doesn't like me. He's never liked me. Well, maybe when you kicked it, it remembered, you know, and, it, <laughs> and, and of course it's not going to like you. It's going to remember that stuff. So, yeah, they're, they're they're pretty smart. But that that procedural memory is is just uh, is crazy in cats. In fact, Pico has uh, opened the door like we talked about and has made his way into this room I'm recording in, and he's about to jump up on my desk because <laughs> he knows that it makes me pay attention to him. So 
if you hear some extra noise in the background, like his little tags jingling, he's doing the staring part right now. The little slow <laughs> blink and crinkling his nose and going, aren't I cute? No, yeah. Stay down there. Right. <laughs> so, okay, we've been talking a lot about human and cat brains uh, as they are alike. How do they differ? Well, here's an interesting way. So whiskers, which we clearly don't have, you know, are are rooted deeply in the follicles, right? In follicles. And those follicles are surrounded by mus muscle tissue that has a lot of sensory cells and nerves, and they're connected to a part of the cat's brain, right? So cats actually take in information almost like a, a kinetic sense through their whiskers. So, and, and that feeds information to their brain. And I don't think your whiskers feeds any information to yeah. your brain, right? Oh. <laughs> no, no. Do, do beards count as some of that? Right. If, that if they did, then you'd be really smart because you have lots of whiskers this morning, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd be, my brain would be an overload. <laughs> and, and because... You know, human brains are really physiologically different. We have been talking about all the ways they're the same, but they're really physiologically different from cats' brains. But some of that difference means that, you know, of course, things like catnip. Catnip gets cats high, but it doesn't get humans high. Wow. You know, I was just thinking about, so... Do uh, cats and marijuana uh, get along? In other words, do they get high off of marijuana like we do? <laughs> they, they don't. Not, they do. Too, but I'm just saying that as humans do. <laughs> right. They they do, but they don't. Unfortunately, they don't just get high. They get intoxicated, meaning that it's it's marijuana is toxic to cats. It's not safe oh. for them. In any form, not edibles, especially not edibles or, or secondhand smoke. It's not. So, um, yeah, don't don't be getting high around your cat. Go outside and get high. And by all means, don't leave your edibles out where your cats can get into them because, yeah, that would be really tragic. And another. You know, so that's kind of a serious topic, too, because, you know, you see so many people who get high and they'll blow the smoke in their dog's face and the dog gets high. Yeah, no. In the cat's face. And that, I mean, that is, that's, that's, I mean, talk about that for a minute. I mean, surely that's terrible for them. Right? I, I think those people might be missing some neurons. <laughs> because yeah, okay. yeah and you think oh it's funny and i get high and i like the way it makes me feel i'm sure my cat or dog would like the way it feels and and no they they don't it is toxic to them um so yeah please don't do that that's that's not good but another way you know we were talking about you were asking how um how they differ but another way that they're similar actually their brains and ours is that they can actually develop a condition called feline cognitive dysfunction, which is similar to Alzheimer's, right? And just like humans, not all cats get it. So just like with people, not all of us are going to have Alzheimer's and not all cats are going to end up with feline cognitive dysfunction, but it's really feline cognitive dysfunction syndrome. But it's, uh, you know, when they age, sometimes their brains age and deteriorate. And uh, and they can get little kitty Alzheimer's also. So say something about dementia or Alzheimer's. Here's something I read 
recently. Scientific uh, America says a cat's brain has a thousand times more data storage than an iPad and operates a million times faster. So, you know, in that regard, how does that affect or not affect the dementia or Alzheimer's? Well, yeah, clearly when you have a cognitive dysfunction, you 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 can't process things as fast as you used to be able to process them. I mean, we certainly have people in our lives with dementia and um you know, they, they, they yeah, my dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it and it makes it hard for him to remember. Even sometimes we we always joke, we go over and we take him groceries and I go in with an armload of stuff and he goes, oh, hi, girl, it's good to see you and grabs my hand and hugs and he's so happy. And then I go out to get the second load and I come back in and he's like, oh, hi, it's so good to see you. And I get the same greeting because he he doesn't remember that I was there just three minutes ago, you know, but Thank God he's the happiest man on earth and and it's fine. I, I love I love to come in and greet him eight times in one visit. <laughs> well, do you think that you think that cats would have the same kind of process if they had that dementia or Alzheimer's? Yeah, you can see it. I've seen it a lot. They uh they actually walk around and and get a look on their face like what 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 did I where am I going where am I they absolutely do and it and it's sad and you feel sorry for them and it 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 can you know they wake up in the middle of the night and start screaming and howling because they don't really know where they are it it can it can become hard to live with just like with people you know your dad has to have a a living caregiver, and we're probably going to have to have a living caregiver for Pico other than ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you talk about that Scientific American uh, study that says that a cat's brain has a thousand times more data storage than an iPad and operates a million times faster. I mean, you know, we think our iPads are pretty cool. They do a lot of stuff, right? And so that in itself would make you think, Cats are like super smart. They got to be. They're smarter than your iPad. And here's another interesting thing. IBM, and I don't know why they did this, but they built a supercomputer that simulated the brain of a cat. And it required almost 25,000 processors. Now, they're trying to do the same thing to simulate the human brain. And it'll take 888,000 processors so clearly we process a lot more information more complexly than cats do but you know you think about it you buy a computer and you're lucky if you get dual processors in your computer so really your cat is a lot smarter than your computer you know yeah wow (laughs) i mean you think about that just for a second just absorb that for a second i mean that's a lot of data processing. I mean, it's taken a lot of advancement in the computer world just to get processing speeds that much. And we do this by, you know, some sort of liquid format that goes around our brain and helps fire off these electrons and neutrons or whatever it is that's inside the brain. You know, that's it's it's crazy that it's just overwhelming sometimes to think about that, all that, how fast we process information and mm-hmm. how fast they do. And wasn't there an article about cats knowing where things are, even when they can't see it? And that is somewhere or somehow 
an indicator of intelligence? Yeah, they they did. And that 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 study was actually relatively recently for cats. They've known that that dogs are able to do it uh, for a long time. And it's called object permanence recognition, right? So it means it's an awareness of objects that aren't directly visible, right? So it's it's it means that they understand that be, just because it's out of sight doesn't mean it's gone forever, right? They are, cats are able to hold an object in their mind and reason where that object might be. Like if you stash their toys in a cabinet or treats in a drawer where your cat can't see them. Like I have cat treats in my, my drawer here in my desk and I'll take them out and play treat toss with him a lot of times. And he knows they're in there. He comes over and picks at that drawer handle, even though he can't see them and he hasn't seen them for a day or two, maybe have gone by since I did that. He knows they're in there. He remembers they're in there. So that's called object permanence recognition. And yes, they're, they're good at that. You know, I have watched Pico and those food puzzles where he, I mean, it's interesting because the food puzzles go in this direction, that direction, go up, down. I mean, you even slide out a drawer to get uh, get to all the treats. And they've figured out, you know, where I've seen some animals kind of just dig at the puzzle itself. He's able to figure out how to move this bar, move that bar, you know, open up this drawer to get to the treats and, and all that. So that's, you know, he, he's mastered those in seconds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think you think he's going to be pretty smart, I would think, is when you look at how he's doing that. Wow. And they need, and they need that. You know, that's really important for cats to have mental exercises. It's very, very important that they have problem-solving ability. If they go through their whole day and don't have to solve any problems, they're going to get really bored, and that's going to be a lot of pent-up energy. So those food puzzles are an excellent way to give them that mental stimulation and, and problem-solving opportunities. You know, that was interesting. I was watching him uh, yesterday when he had caught a lizard. We had him outside <laughs> on his leash. He caught a lizard, and then he ran around with the lizard. must have been five, ten minutes. We thought for sure the lizard was gone and dead, I mean. And uh, the next thing you know, he goes out into our little courtyard, and he drops the lizard just to... You know, thought thought it was dead too, I guess. And then the lizard just popped up alive and just scurried about. And of course, he's running, jumping, and then it went up this twisted tree, and different twists and angles. And you could tell Pico saw him get away and tried to chase him up, but there was so many different branches and twistings. It was he, yeah. he saw that, and then he sat back and seemed to study the tree, mm -hmm. you know, on <laughs> on how. And where that lizard was able to get away from him and go up this, scurry up this tree. And that's, it, it was just amazing to watch that. It, it was funny because he took it out there into a corner. He wanted a place to put it down where if it ran, he would have it cornered. And he walked all over looking for it. I had him on his harness and leash and he was out back when he caught it. And then he wanted to bring it in the house. And I did not want him to bring it in the house, but I opened the door and, um, to let you out actually with the hummingbird feeders and he comes in the house and he goes out the other door at the other side of the house so i moved his leash and let him go out there 
and he looks around and he does that a couple times and then he puts it down in the corner. Well, it got away from him and it went up a wisteria vine and I had to take his harness and leash off because he had himself just wrapped around that wisteria in a knot trying to to get to that lizard. So I sat out there with him and took off his harness and leash and watched him. And, you know, one of the things we didn't talk about that is actually connected to the brain is eyesight, right? So cats, cats don't see on the red spectrum like we do, but they can see things moving much more so than we do. So, you know, you see your cat sitting outside staring at something and you're like, what is it? What? And you can't see a thing, but there's something moving out there because they can see the slightest little bits of movement. And I noticed that that this lizard had kind of changed color to the color of the bark. And I could I could kind of see him. At, at times and um and he was hiding from pico the lizard would be on the opposite side of the of the vine from pico but as soon as he got around where pico could just see a little tiny bit of it move well he was up and grabbing paws around and feeling in the little crevices it was it was very cute and and gosh he must have been out there half an hour trying to catch that lizard lizard lost his tail but kept its life yes that 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 was an amazing nature food puzzle <laughs> but you could really tell he was studying that i mean it was he was looking for movement but also studying where he where he thought he could grab it It was interesting to just kind of watch that and it really was fitting to this conversation so but i want to tell everybody that that's been listening that you know speaking of food puzzles head on over to our store where you can grab a couple of them mm-hmm, we've mm-hmm. got several of those out there on the website um, and be sure and get some of that VitaCraft pure sticks and meaty morsels uh, to put them in because you can then break them apart and put them in the little puzzles and, and then watch your cat really study the puzzles. And it, it'll be interesting to watch their intelligence from that perspective. Yeah, it is fun. I, I love to load food puzzles for for Pico. And I, and I do. I use those pure sticks and meaty morsels because they have they break up. They're a little little score marks where you're supposed to break them up. They're they're awesome. And the meaty morsels in particular, they they really smell good. They kind of have a strong smell to them. So it makes cats work even harder to get at them. But you know, while you're there in the store, you also can help keep cats out of shelters and help keep Cat Talk Radio on the air by making a donation while you're there because under those products where you'll find the food food puzzles and VitaCraft treats, there are donation amounts that you can just add to your cart. And it's free shipping on orders of $49 or more. So if you've got, you know, $39 of food puzzles and cat treats, make a $10 donation and it costs you about the same and your shipping is free. So do that. That would be helpful. Also, we would love to. We this is our 189th. Is that right? Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. 189th episode. That's a lot of time we've been on the air. <laughs> wow, it sure is. And thank you all for listening. And uh, be sure and send off uh, the link uh, to some of your friends who have cats and would like to have some information about the cats. You can also support us by following us on Facebook and Instagram and sign up to be on our mailing list so you can now 
get upcoming webinars and events that Molly or Molly is doing at any given time and send her any ideas or questions you have for for upcoming shows. She loves to hear new ideas and um, and it's great for her to she dives into them and really studies studies them deep, as you can tell. You can email her at Molly at cattalkradio.com. Yep. And we thank you for your support, all of your support, by just listening to the show and sharing our resources with other people. And we're going to keep doing this as long as shelter Shelter euthanasia euthanasia is the number one one cause of death in cats. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. Until next time, keep calm and purr on. Yes. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.